I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's start reading it in verse 26 through the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. All glory to God. Verse 29 is pretty much going to be one of our main scriptures for this morning, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God has ordained it that way, amen? That no flesh should glory in his presence. And God has an order, and this is what we're going to talk about today. God has a divine order, and it's very simple, but it's a heavenly order. He's a God of order, amen? He's a God of order. On the first day of creation, he made, uh, separated the light from the darkness and called the, the, the light day and the darkness night. And all through, he's very orderly. And in the families, he's orderly in how things are to be. He's orderly in the church. He's set in order. And it's a heavenly order. There's basically, it comes down to this. There's a place for place of God. I'm talking about a place in order, in authority. There's the place of God and there's the place of man. And they're not to be confused. They're not to be intermingled and one uh, move into the position of the other. When... When this heavenly order is not the reality, when this heavenly order, whether it's in an individual or a family or a church, when this heavenly order is out of place, it's functioning in disorder, there will be confusion and there will be weakness. There will be weakness and inability to do what God's called us to do. We've all seen uh, pulled up to a gas pump or pulled up to, uh, you know, go to checkout line and Home Depot or something, and there's a, something taped to the gas pump that says out of order, right? This bathroom's out of order. This, this is out of order. Out of order simply means it's not working properly or it's not working at this time or working properly, right? That's all it means. And God has a heavenly order. He has a divine order that's not going to be not to be tampered with. It's not to be try to uh, change or perverted in some way. There's a place of God, and there's the place of men, men created in the image of God and washed in the blood of Jesus that are his children. And I'll give some examples. If, if we love, and we heard this in Sunday school this morning, if we as Christians love the blessings of God more than, one, than the one who gave the blessings, that's out of order. If we love the blessings of God, we want to be a Christian. We love all that comes with it. Well, we should. But if we begin, to, our heart gets more fixed and, and loved, loving and attached to the blessings of God more than the one who gave the blessings, that's out of order. If we and parents, and I can speak for parents and grandparents now, uh, if we love our children or grandchildren more than the God who gave us those children and grandchildren, it's out of order. It's out of order. It's not what it's supposed to be. If we care more 
I'm speaking to Christians this morning. If we care more about pleasing men and making people happy rather than pleasing God, that's out of order in our lives. It's not going to function properly. There'll be confusion. There are going to be things that uh, there's going to be a price to pay for that. Now, it can be brought back into order. That's what we're talking about this morning. And we all probably have times have gotten our lives disorderly in that fashion. That's all we're talking about, the place of God and the place of man created in the image of God and redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. If we care more about in our church services, having the, the music, the message, the atmosphere, uh, what we would like rather than what Almighty God likes and desires and is pleased with, it's out of order. It's out of order in our churches, just in a worldly sense. And we have some, a few military people in here this morning. If, if a, a fresh recruit maybe not even through with basic training yet, is all of a sudden going to usurp and take the position of authority when there's a sergeant there or a captain or even a general on hand and that new recruit wants to run things and run that company or that division. It's out of order. It's not going to work. There's a man who's paid his dues, who's experienced, who's ready for that job to lead men. That would be out of order. We know that would be. You wouldn't have a new recruit leading a, a platoon into battle or something. And, and sometimes, y'all, we have in our, in our families, we have children running the household instead of the parents running the household. It happens. You've seen it. It happens. Children running the household instead of the parents. The children decide if we're going to go to Sunday school or not today. The children decide. That's out of order. That's not God's way. Again, God's forgiving. He's merciful. He can bring it back to where it needs to be if we'll let him and allow him to do that. But I just want us to see that God desires to bless his people. God desires to move in power. And the, and the order that we're talking about today, y'all, is order within the church. Not, not necessarily the individual life. That has to be ordered by seeking first the kingdom of God, the family the same way. But we're looking at the church body, the local church uh, from, from place to place. God desires to bless his people. Do you know that? The Lord wants to bless his people. Sometimes I feel like we, we think we have to twist his arm to maybe squeeze a blessing out of the Lord somehow for him to get us to do what, he what we want him to do. He desires to bless his people. He desires to move in power. He desires to show himself strong on the behalf of his saints and those that he's redeemed. But too often, I would say his people within the church are not living by or under that heavenly order that he's given. And so we're wondering, why doesn't God bless us? Why doesn't God pour out his spirit? Why doesn't God bring revival? Why doesn't God move in power? And sometimes I, I know that he desires to. I believe sometimes the, the hindrance is us. And the hindrance is us. It could be our life. It could be our church. It could be leadership in the church. Something that's not ordered as it, as it should be. It's not going to prosper as long as it's that way. God can fix it, but it's not going to prosper because it's not reflecting the glory of God the way it should. When that light is pure and just shining, I'm talking about through your life, through my life, through Cornerstone Church, when it's just pure and there's no uh, darkness or, or dimness to it, nothing of the flesh is polluting it or tainting it, and it's just beautiful and glorious to God, I believe that's what he desires. I know it is. And he can bring us to that. They say, well, that's a miracle. How can we be that perfected? 
God can work in us that way and do that if we'll yield to him. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and read Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You ought to recognize this passage. It's where we get the name of our church, Cornerstone. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Start reading there with me. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So whose, whose household is it? It's God's. Talk about the church this morning, okay? We're, we're part, we've been joined to the family of God, part of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What is that foundation? Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We've talked about this. The cornerstone in the days, uh, I guess still today, if they're building a building out of stones and, and cutting out a big, big blocks of stones, the cornerstone had to be perfect had to be perfect, the perfect size on every side, and it was set, and that was the cornerstone by which the other walls would be built upon and next to, and it always laid off that cornerstone, okay? Jesus Christ himself, Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone of his church. It's his church in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth up unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That is the order. That's the order. We're talking about divine order, a heavenly order. We need to go back. Churches in America today and probably around the world, we need to go back. We need to read that. We need to get on our faces before the Lord and say, wait, it's His church. We're to be a habitation of God through the Spirit. It's, he's the cornerstone. It's about the Lord. Okay, it's not just saying the name Jesus over and over. It's him really being the Lord of his church and of his body. Amen. Colossians 3, I'll just read this. Where there is neither, speaking about the body of Christ, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all and in all. You want to know what the divine order? That's it. In his church, Christ is all and in all. He's not a part of it. He's not just a guest that we welcome in from time to time. It's his church. He is all and in all. That's the order. And so there's a heavenly divine order that God has given. It's very simple to me. We see it laid out in the scriptures all through the Bible. But when that order is not submitted to, yielded to, held to, there will be divisions. Again, we're talking about the church. You could carry this into an individual life. You could carry it into a family. But this morning, I believe the Lord have us to talk about it in the sense of the church body. When that order of God being in his place and man redeemed in his blood being in our place, and that's not held to and followed to uh, and sought after diligently, there will be divisions, there will be strife, there will be troubles, there will be ineffectiveness in the, in the church. And there should be, in place of those things, there should be strength. There should be power, right? There should be glory. We're the church of the risen Lord. He's working with us, confirming his word with signs following. There should be strength and glory and love unfeigned, as the Bible talks about it. But because that order is perverted somehow or not yielded to, we see weakness and ineffectiveness and troubles. The Lord Jesus should be seated on the throne. Christ is all and in all, as it says in Colossians. The throne of each heart, Christ should be seated on the throne of each heart. 
each individual life sitting here this morning. And in his church body as a whole, Christ should be seated on the throne. You, you ought to demand it. We ought to demand it. We're close. We're a close-knit group of people here. And we know each other and so forth. But we need to, dem- to almost demand it that Christ is glorified. That we hold each other accountable and not let, as a church, get off into to, uh, peripheral issues or to get off into where the focus is slightly, even just a degree or two off. You know, you've heard, I looked this up one time, it was just saying like one of the Apollo space space missions, if they had been off just, you know, millimeters at the takeoff, just just slightly off over that distance to the moon, how far they would have been off. It would have been thousands and thousands of miles. And so we have to keep, we need to demand it that Christ is always and only not only the focus, but the Lord, the head of his church, that he should be in the preaching and the music and in our own, uh, how we act, everything about it, how we dress, how we come into the house of God, just desiring him to be glorified. And so where man has the prominence, man has the prominence in the church or the preeminence in the church, uh, where man has too great a place, too great of authority, I guess you would say. God is not allowed to reign and to lead and to bless like he desires to. He is not because, man, there, there's one that John talked about. We don't have to turn there, but Third John, verse 9, Paul, uh, John says, we, we desire to, to come unto you, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among you, received us not. So there was somebody in the church that called themselves a Christian. It was known in the church. We know his name. There was a real man. And among the people of God, he loved to have the preeminence. That's, that's, not, that's out of order. That right there is out of order. It's not just pointing the finger at that man. The, the Bible sh- tells us his name. But the fact is that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's this passage that we opened up with. No flesh should glory in his presence. And y'all, it can be very subtle. And I just wanted us to think about this and this morning as we're, we're talking about this subject, the authority of God, the, the, the divine order of the Lord. It can be subtle when things get off a little bit in a church. It can be subtle. That doesn't mean it's not serious or not dangerous, though. And it also can be brought back. That's, that's a good thing I'm going to keep reminding us of. It doesn't just have to stay off track and get worse. It might be off track and bad now, but it can be brought back where there's humility and repentance and where, where people turn back to the Lord. But it can be subtle, but it's still very significant, right? And again, it's not that Christ is Lord of the church just out of lip service. That, you know, I've seen pastors, we, this is my Bible and I believe it cover to cover and so forth. And they open every service that way. They put it down and they preach error when they, after they set it down. It's not just to give lip service to, uh, to, to Jesus being Lord and having billboards and posters all over the wall that say Jesus. It's really being submitted to Christ individually in the pulpit, in the music, in our prayer meetings, uh, in, our, in our lives, being submitted to Christ, that he has that place of authority. Amen? What we see is, is a lot of times, it could, it could be here, it could be anywhere, but men are seen and not God. Men are making decisions in the church, not God. 
Men are leading, not God. They may say God's leading, but men or people are leading and not the Lord. Men are praised and not God. Men are esteemed. I would not say worshipped, but there's allegiance given to men more than to Christ and to his word. There's allegiance given. And so there's a place, man, it's out of order. Can I tell you what's going to happen with that? You've seen it. We know without fail, without fail, there will be divisions. Without fail, strife will come in. Without fail, sin will come in and worldliness. You know what will be absent? Those things come in and more. What will be absent? Spiritual discernment. Spiritual judgment to judge sin or a problem in the church. You know, God's equipped his people for that. It doesn't have to just be overwhelming to us. If something's sin and we all see it, that's sin. And we can go cover and, and you know, try to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness and so forth as it talks about in the Bible. But spirit, when, when man has the, the preeminence or that divine order is not submitted to or sought after, spiritual discernment will go out the door. Biblical judgment is absent. The peace of God, the joy of God. They might talk a lot about joy and happiness and grace, but the people are depressed and down and sad and gloomy because it's not the real peace of God. That's absent. doesn't mean they're not true Christians. It doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't love them. Some may be Christians, some may not. The point is that that order of God is out of order and it's not functioning as it should be. You know, it, uh, there's a, a man named Ichabod in the Bible. It means the glory is departed. When the ark was stolen by the Philistines and so forth from Israel, and he was a baby born at that time. But the glory has departed. It's not blessed. And I'll say this, that God cannot bless it. According to his nature and who he is as God, he cannot bless what's out of order. He can fix it. It doesn't mean perfection. It just means that we're constantly seeking, genuinely and humbly seeking after Christ to be Lord. We may miss it here and there, but we're, we're wanting it. We're desiring it genuinely, and we're submitted to that. We're always correcting, correcting where we get off. And God, God can't bless it when it's just out of order and continuing out of order. He wants to, but he cannot bless it in that state. Until men repent, until the heavenly order is sought after and reestablished within that church. And it's not confusing. It's God in his place and we as the redeemed of the Lord in our place. Okay, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Because they're such a good example. It's easy, I would say it's easy to, to pick on them almost. I don't want to pick on them. I want to use them for an example that the Lord gives us in his word. We see a church, at least in 1 Corinthians, at the time of that writing, they were true believers, but they were functioning in many ways out of the divine order of God. Okay? And I'll, every time I talk, think about the Corinthian church, I'll see Paul does call them babes in Christ. He calls them uh, babes in Christ or, or carnal Christians. But he doesn't call, say that they're not Christians. He doesn't say that they need to be born again. He's saying that they need to get their house in order. They need to get their lives in order and their house in order that God's not going to bless the way they're living. Look at First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 4. And I, brethren, he calls them brothers right off the bat, right? 
This is not lost people he's preaching to. He's preaching to a church with all kinds of gifts of the Spirit going on in the church. And he's speaking to them saying you need to correct some things, serious things that are wrong in your church. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. You couldn't bear strong meat. Neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal. That's, that's, the, that's where man is out of place. That's when the man I'm talking about. When I say that there's a place of God and a place of man, we're talking about the carnal nature. Usurping that, rising up, and that's out of order. Carnal man. We all still have a carnal nature. It's still there. Every time we sin, it's a carnal nature, not... That's not the new man sinning, amen? That's the carnal nature. But that place is to be out and, and crucified and, and out of the, the church and have no prominence or preeminence. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, is that the fruit of the Spirit, by the way? No, it's not. They weren't spiritual. They were carnal. There's among you in the church envyings and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Man had a place in that church. I'm talking about the carnal nature had a place in this church, in the church of the Lord, that it was not to have. But it had it, at least at this time. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? He calls them brothers. He calls them babes in Christ. We're either in Christ or out of Christ. They were babes. In Christ, they were unspiritual. Instead of being spiritual, they were unspiritual. Instead of being spiritual, they were carnal. So they're born again, but in their church and in their church services, and I would assume in their lives as well, they were living carnally. The carnal nature had this place of preeminence that it should not have had. And so there were petty divisions. What are some of the problems? We don't read it all right here. We'll look at some more in just a moment. But what was one of the petty divisions? One believer would say, that would be like, you know, one of you saying, I I'm of, you know, he's saying, well, does, we're not going to use us for an example, but I I'm of Paul. So therefore, I guess I'm a, I'm a stronger Christian. Another standing right, well, I'm of Apollos. Apollos led me to the Lord. Apollos. And they were actually arguing or taking pride in these things. It has no place in the church. There's no, that's just carnal. That's not Christ. That's not the spiritual man. That's not the new man. That's all we're saying. This is just an example of the carnal man having a place. What else was going on in this church? Well, there was sexual sin, incest going on in the church. And there was the total lack of spiritual, mature, godly, holy judgment against it. To even say this in the church is wrong. It's wrong that you're doing this in the church. You're not going to be teaching Sunday school anymore right now. We're going to get you out. We're going to talk to you. We're going to pray over you and, and pray that you'll repent and come to a place where you can be restored back into the body. There was none of that. It just was going on. They were allowing it to go on, and they're saying, look how, much, how full of grace we are. That's carnal. That's carnal reasoning. That's not biblical discernment or judgment or order or anything. That's just carnal. 
And so that was going on. There was sin in the church, and there was, uh, Paul says this, I speak to your shame. It is, is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not, no, not one, that is, shall able, be able to judge between his brothers? There had arguments in the church, and this said, I'm going to bring you to court. And said, I'm going to bring you to court. You know, I have my lawyer, and he's a better lawyer. And brothers in the church. And he says, isn't there one? And she says, I'm speaking this to your shame. Is there not one person in your church mature enough to judge the situation? To speak God's mind and thought and will into it and then have the people submit to it. It's not that we don't have problems. We do have problems. I pray we don't have a lot of problems, but every church is going to have some type of problem. So what do you do when you have them? Will you submit to God? Will, will somebody speak the truth and the word of God into the situation? And will both parties or all parties yield and say, I'm wrong. Or I'll yield to what God's word says. And then guess what? It's fixed. Jesus is back on his throne and we keep going. He knows we're not perfect. It'll be perfect in heaven. But the point is, he goes, there's not one wise man among you with any kind of spiritual discernment who can judge between these two brothers what's going on. This is the type of thing that was going on. And I don't have time to read it, but y'all, even in the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, read it. We don't have time to. They were coming together. They were getting drunk. They were eating in the church. It'd be like bringing a huge picnic basket into the church and setting it up. It's supposed to be the Lord's Supper. It's a remembrance, okay, to take this bread and this wine. And it's a remembrance of the body and the blood of Jesus. We do it as often as we do it in remembrance of him until he comes again. He's coming again. Amen? And so it's, that's the Lord's Supper. And we're thankful. And it's sober. And it's serious. And it's joyful at the same time. They were turned it into a, a dinner on the grounds feast. And they said they were getting drunk. They were getting, uh, they were just eating their meals. He says, you have homes to eat at. You know, don't you have a home? I'm paraphrasing what he says. If you're hungry, eat at home, okay? And there's, this one's eaten before. This one's got their, their meal, or this one's eaten, and that one doesn't have any food over there. It was all out of order, okay? All out of order, y'all. This is amazing to me that even in the Corinthian church at this time, even the gifts of the Spirit, they were genuine gifts of the Spirit. They're not, there are false gifts, right? There are lying signs and wonders that Satan manufactures. There's also the flesh of man that can try to mimic these things. But in the Corinthian church, they were not accused of it being of Satan. And they were not accused of the gifts being not genuine. They weren't accused of doing it uh, that the gift itself was of the flesh. What they were doing was they were using the gifts of the Spirit, the real gifts of the Holy Ghost. It's almost hard to comprehend, but... They were out of order in how the gifts of the Spirit were functioning within their church, within their church services. This one's given a tongue the same time as this one's given a tongue. This one's given five tongues in a row with no interpretation. That one back there, every single time they come, they have to give a prophecy. And, and then this one can't wait to give theirs. And they're all, they're, they're, the, it just was, was totally out of order. Real gifts of the Spirit. Out of order. And so the Bible tells us in, the, in context with the Paul deals with the, these 
these uh, Corinthian believers about the gifts of the Spirit. And he says, for our God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let all things be done decently and in order. Those two verses to me summarize that chapter of 1 Corinthians 14. Let all things be done decently and in order. What order? Well, if you decide it and I decide it, it's going to be two different orders. If we have 50 people in here, we'll have 50 different orders of how we think it should be. And it's not that we come to a consensus and we vote on it. So we go to the Word of God and find out what He says. It's His order. It's His church. It's His gifts of the Spirit that He might be glorified in all. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 talks about the spirits, I mean, the gifts of the Spirit and why they're given. It's one Lord, one Spirit. It's for God and for His glory. So we see this taking place, and we see... Uh, in, in the Corinthian church, that man, when I say man, it's not just specific human beings, although it was, but it's the carnal nature had a place of preeminence. And that could be in any church. That could be in any church. And I'm not pointing the finger. It could happen here. It could happen anywhere. But man, the natural man, as opposed to the, as the spiritual man. See, you and I, you're, if you're born again, we, we have a natural man and we have a spiritual man. And the one, we must decrease and he must increase. That new man. There's the old man and then there's the new man. And so what was happening is everywhere you looked in the Corinthian church, at least in 1 Corinthians, there was some expression of the carnal man being manifest. The Lord's Supper, the carnal man is being manifest. Some expression, right? Judgment. Well, we think this, and we, it was all the carnal nature. In every turn, there was some expression of the carnal man being manifest. And it could have been wrapped up in spiritual clothing, and people are really good at doing that. Wrap it up in spiritual words and clothing, but it's still carnal. And I'll say this, and, and we're staying on this one thought, but if a man, if man, that natural man in any, any church body is allowed to come in and to occupy a position, you're going to have problems like the Corinthian church had. You, you're going to have problems. And this is where the cross of the Lord comes in. I do want to mention this. That, all right, with carnal nature, what, what do I do? The cross deals with that. We spent how much, probably close to a year going through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ in the life of the believer. Not only for salvation, the cross upon which Jesus died, and we come to the foot of the cross and we call out to the Lord, His, His uh, blood washing our sins away, but denying ourselves daily, taking up our cross and following the Lord. Where This is where the cross comes in, in the work of the cross, in the life of the believer. I'll just read this from Romans 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him. We need to know that by faith that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. This is the work of the cross. And so where man goes out, the Lord, carnal man goes out, the Lord can come in, and he desires to. He'll work to, to try to bring that to be the reality, but we wonder why sometimes he doesn't bless. Why, why does revival tarry? I forgot who wrote that book, and the answer is you, you know. The reason revival tarries for the most part, now we know God has his timetable, but for the most part, we're not dead to ourselves enough. 
for God to have holy, pure vessels through which he can pour out revival and spirit, where no flesh will take the glory for it, where it's genuine and it's real, and we're not hypocritical. We want revival, but if somebody saw what I watched on TV, uh, you know, that's not a representation of the, of the Lord. We need to be those vessels of honor. And where we're not, God will forgive us. We can repent and be changed, okay, and forgiven. But the point is that that, that, that carnal nature has to go. And, and, uh, and I'll just read this from Colossians chapter 3. But now ye also put off all these. And, and the things, we don't have time to read it, but he says anger, wrath, malice, etc. Put these things off. He's writing to believers. Wrath in the church. Anger, malice in the church, yes. We're real people. Sometimes these things come up and out of our lives, okay? Put those away, Paul says. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. That's the place of God and the place of man. There's really no place for the natural man or the carnal man within the body of Christ. That's the proper order, again, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Wherever man is leading in a church, and whatever he touches, man, the carnal man, he's going to pollute it. I don't care how spiritual it may look on the surface and how many times the word Jesus in the Bible might be used. Where man touches it and it's the carnal nature, he's going to pollute it. It's a holy thing. It's the, his holy word. It's his holy child. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's about him. And where man touches it and tries to put his twist on it, his spin on it, his thought on it, and I think I could make this a little better. I think we'd get more people if we did this. And people put their little twist on it in their carnal nature. They're going to pollute it. We're going to mess it up. We're gonna, and God cannot bless it in that state. Given some examples. I, I want, see the big capital I a lot of times. I want... To, to take the music and, and lead it a certain way. It's a lot more popular these days, this type of music. I want to lead it in the music in our church to be this way. I want to take the sermons and, and change them and make them more acceptable. I think we could get a lot more people in here if I changed the sermons and made them more acceptable. Or I want to get rid of the older people that are in leadership and, and I want to put some younger, younger people in their place. I want to do that. And we can say, I think God wants me to do it. We can say whatever we want, but is that the will of God? We need to know that. I think that we should do away with Sunday night prayer meetings. First of all, not many people come. Second of all, people need their family time and their downtime and their me time. And so I think we're going to do away. I've talked to pastors. I've talked to a, a pastor for sure. Uh, he said, y'all still have Sunday night prayers? This was 20 years ago. I said, yeah, we do. Uh, we don't. I said, well, why not? He said, well, we, nobody came. <laughs> that was number one. I said, well, I would go. Me, me and Jesus would be there. You know what I mean? Uh, nobody came, number one. And second of all, we told folks just going on home. Well, they were already home anyway. They weren't coming to prayer. Uh, you go, go on and home and, and have some good family time. And I'm thinking, did God lead, almighty God, he's the Lord of his church, did he lead you 
to do that. That's why I said we have to hold ourselves accountable. We have to demand it. I'm not talking, talking about uh, spying out, having an evil eye, and thinking everybody's out of order. I'm simply saying that we seek the Lord and yield to his authority. Let him have his place in lordship. If he leads our church this way or leads our church this way, however he leads us, I know it's going to line up in accordance with this. It's going to be lined up with this right here. And if it's not lined up with this right here, guess what? It's not the Lord. No matter how strongly we feel about it, no matter if we're unanimous vote that we should do this as a church, if it doesn't line up with this, it's not. Man has a place in the preeminence that, that God should have. And so we're going to pollute everything we touch. Amen. The Bible says that the natural man or the carnal man and mind is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. But it can parade around in the church and, and yet not be subject to Christ. And it is. The natural man or the carnal mind and man does not receive the things of the God. They cannot receive the things of God. And so I'm, I'm going to bring this to a close. But y'all, when, when the natural man, the carnal man is given that place, there's going to be pro- there are going to be problems. Your crowd might grow, for example, if that's what you want. Your crowd might grow. The church might be more popular, and to all intents and purposes from an outside view looking in, it might look like it's prospering. But there are going to be troubles with that. There are going to be troubles. There are going to be troubles, and there are going to be God's not pleased with it, and God's going to deal with it. And God, because he loves us, amen, and those, these churches, he loves us. He loved the Corinthian church. Guess what he dealt with there? It's a wonderful thing. They're not just left hanging out there to dry and say, well, you messed that up. I'm cutting you off the vine. You're, out. You're not part of my church body anymore. He sent Paul to preach, bring this letter of reproof to them. And guess what? Praise God Almighty, they received it. And by the time that you get to 2 Corinthians, where he's commending them for the way they repented, for the way they dealt with this one that was having incest in the church. They, dealt, they, they did it wrong at first. They were reproved and rebuked and got good instruction, which they should have known already. But here they are, God's patient. They receive it. They deal with it properly. And by the time we get to 2 Corinthians, he's saying, Yea, what vengeance, yea, what revenge you got on your sin. And all things you've cleared yourselves in this matter. This is the hope of the Lord. Amen. How many times have we sinned since we've been saved? Praise God, there's forgiveness and and restoration. I'm going to bring this to a close, okay? what we see, where, where do we see the Lord, for example, his place and man's place in Ephesians? I just want to turn the, there. Turn with me, if you would, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. Where do you see man in this church? It raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. You see, they're spoken of as sitting together with Christ in heavenly places. In this church, and we don't have time to study Ephesians tonight, today, but instead of divisions and carnality and immorality and immaturity and inability to judge and disorder, we see the saints, as we read earlier, as the household of God. And habitation of God through the Spirit. Build it together. And this is how it's supposed to be. 
there's a divine order, and there are blessings that come with that divine order. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about the blessings of God in your life and the blessings of God in Cornerstone Church and the church down the road, and I pray for all of them. Hallelujah, there are brothers in Christ. We'll be with them in heaven forever. Hallelujah. It's not a competition. It's a big lost world out there that needs Jesus. But we're talking about the blessings of God in our, in our lives, and it's going to come with that divine order. Is like, okay, I'm, I'm right in that groove. I'm, I'm seeking to the Lord for everything, every sermon, every song that, that is led in the worship team up here, every vacation Bible school, uh, the fact that we're doing it three days and ending it on a Sunday, that's different than a church down the road. It's not saying one's better, but this is how the Lord has led us to do it. We need to be led by the Lord. Amen? We need to be led by the Lord, and we need to, in order, it's not easy. We need to seek God. This is why we're not canceling our prayer meetings, even if only five come, and I know many more than five come, but we're, we're going to seek the Lord. We want to have that divine order. And the place of man has to go out. And I'm going to close with this, this thought. I, I go back to it a lot in my own thoughts in my mind. I read a book, many of you have probably read it by T. Austin Sparks, uh, The School of Christ. He has a chapter in there that really comes back to my mind a lot where he talks about when, when things in the church, he's talking about the church body, when the things in the church are in a state of declension, as he puts it. Instead of inclining and moving upward, we're seeing a state of shrinking back, drawing back, carnality, sin, weakness, ineffectiveness in the church, cold-heartedness, everything that you would think of that's not of the Lord. And he, he said, when you see the church in a state of declension, he said, there's one answer. It's not scheduling a bunch of revival services or whatever. He goes, it's putting Jesus Christ. Somehow or another, we got Jesus Christ off the throne. We need to get him literally like and, and put him back on the throne of this church or my life or my heart or my family or the church in America. Where, wherever he's got, he's not there. We're, we're functioning in his name, but we're, he's not really the Lord. He doesn't have that place of authority where he is all and in all, as it says in Colossians. We need to get Jesus back on the throne. Every prayer meeting, every song, every Sunday school lesson, every vacation Bible school, every youth meeting, we need Jesus back on the throne where he should be, amen, and things will be in order. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. That's what we need to see. You know, when he saw, and D, you can come, when Isaiah saw the Lord like that, things were set in order. Didn't take a big uh, committee meeting to say what we need to do. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. He had been in the presence of many kings, several kings. He outlived them. He was a friend of Uzziah. And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. And he goes on to talk about it. Oh, he says, I'm undone. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. God took care of it, didn't he? Sent an angel flying over there with a coal and touched his lips from off the altar and said, this has purged you. Now you're clean. Do you see the point, though, when things get out of whack and out of order? There's one answer. Put Jesus back. See him. Well, I don't see him. Well, pray till you do see him. 
Go into the Word of God and read it and seek His face until you do see Him. Well, I don't hear His voice. Well, ask Him. Seek Him until you hear His voice. Don't stop until you do. That's the Lord wants to meet with us in that way. I'm going to close with this. That You know, there's this account of Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob, the surplanter, who did steal his brother's blessing. But when he was escaping from his brother Esau for his life, he comes to a place that later was going to be called, be called Bethel, the house of God. He didn't know it, and he wasn't named that at the time. He took some stones, and he, uh, the night sun had gone down. He had crossed the river, and he was going to sleep there for the night as he was fleeing to Laban over in Syria. And he dreamed a dream, and behold, a ladder set on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending into the city wakes on it, and he sees this. It's a dream. And he wakes up, and he's and out of his sleep, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I'm going to close with this thought. That divine order that we're talking about is very simple. It's God. It's Christ in all, all, and in all. And when he is given that place and no flesh glories in his presence, even, quote, sanctified flesh that looks very spiritual and Christian, when no flesh glories in his presence, surely the Lord is in this place. He's going to be with us. Amen. The Lord is in this place. Y'all, that, that just takes care of everything. If somebody comes in here, and I don't know, somebody comes in here and they're addicted to pornography, they're committing adultery, they're in the pattern or the habit, and they're living in adultery or fornication, they come sit in here, and the Lord is in this place, he's going to deal with them. The sermon might be on tithing that day. And the Holy Ghost is going to convict them and deal with them. He's going to deal with all of us of our sin. We want the Lord. We want the Lord in this place, amen, and to work in our lives. And I want to, I want to stay there until he calls us home. There's no other real agenda. Keep the Lord on his throne. Keep that order of humility. It doesn't mean God can't use you in a great way. It doesn't mean that you might not get some recognition and people see that God's using you in a great way. It's that no flesh should glory in his presence. And all the glory goes to God. Amen. Y'all stand with me this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Y'all, the altar's open. We come before you, Lord, and Lord, I don't want to point my finger at a Corinthian church or a church down the road or a church in another city and say, look how messed up they are. There are plenty of examples of that, God. But Lord, I'm praying this morning that surely the Lord is in this place, God. If in any way, God, we've taken our eyes off of you as an individual, as a family, as a church, God, and, and sought after things, even within the house of God, that we think would make our church better. And it's not the leading of the Spirit. It's our own leading of carnal nature. God, forgive us. We pray, God, that no flesh would glory in your presence in this place, God. We pray for churches that have gotten their eyes off of Jesus, some in a great way. God, we pray that you would, there are some true believers in these places, God. If there are, then God, wake them up. Bring them to repentance. Let them cry out to you. Help us to be a people that cries out for our own church and for others as well, God. Father, we pray that we would see you like Isaiah, high and lifted up, seated on the throne. Your train 
fill in the temple, God, on the throne, because that's where you are. Reign in our lives, God. Reign in our homes. Reign in Cornerstone Church. Reign in our vacation Bible school coming up. Reign in our work day this afternoon. Reign in our finances. Reign in everything, God. Our youth group. Reign, God. Let it all be you. Every service, every prayer, every preparation. Let it all be you, God, because you, you're able to supply those needs and, and send the power and the strength and the wisdom that's needed. God, every judgment that's made, let it be biblical and right, God. Reign in love, God. Love through us, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.